James chapter 3 this morning, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. If you're visiting with us today, we're in a series in the, in, uh, in the book of James, and uh, coming down now to the home stretch on that. And I want to talk to you this morning on the topic of wisdom, God's or the devil's. God's wisdom or the devil's wisdom. James chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse number 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's always one in front of you somewhere. It's here in front of you, and it'll be in the same version that I'm reading from, uh, the New King James. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion And every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. And I pray this morning for the the next few minutes that you would just... uh, Take over this part of our service, as you have taken over every part so far. I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that I would just disappear and that you would teach. And I pray, Lord, that you'd protect me from saying anything I ought not to and help me to say every single thing I should. I pray today, Father, for ears to hear amongst all of us. I pray for hearts that would be open to the truth. I pray, Father, that all of us would uh, be able to say that we have uh, a wisdom that is from above. And I pray you'd show it to us this morning. Help us to know what it is, to differentiate it from the wisdom of this world. And then help us, Lord, to ensure uh, that we are living according to the right wisdom. We give this time to you. We pray you'd work in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 James has said so far that our faith is demonstrated by works. You remember that's been one of the key things that we have seen. He said in James chapter 2 and verse number 18, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You remember the whole title of this series is Faith Works. It's not possible to have a faith that is not demonstrable according to James. If we are a believer, it will show. It will come forth. Our faith will be demonstrated. Well, now he takes us a step further here in our text for today, and he says that wisdom is proven by our works. If you have wisdom, the right kind of wisdom, it will be proven by your conduct. It will be proven by your lifestyle, by your works. That's what he says in verse number 13. Does he not? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. If you're holding a New Living Translation this morning, that's maybe a little clearer. It says... uh, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Another translation takes a similar approach and says, Are there people among you who are wise and understanding? They are to prove it by their good lives, by their good deeds performed with humility and wisdom. And so wisdom, the right kind of wisdom in our life, if it's there, it's going to be proven, James says, by our conduct, by our lifestyle. Now, according to James, there's more than one kind of wisdom. Did you ever think about that before? 
There's more than one kind of wisdom. There is wisdom that is good, and there is wisdom that is beneficial. There's also wisdom that is useless and harmful. You ever think about that? There is a wisdom that originates from God, and there is a wisdom that originates not from God. There is a wisdom that we as Christians should demonstrate and, and have in our life, and there is also a wisdom that we should shun. So what I want us to do this morning is to consider some things about that. I want us to notice this morning how we need to see the difference between those two. We need to see the difference. We also need to consider the source of these two forms of wisdom. James is pretty clear about that. And finally, we need to recognize that each produces something. Each has an outcome. So let's look at those things this morning. First of all, we need to see the difference between these two forms of wisdom. Notice the contrast between verses 15 and verse 17. Verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. And then he goes on to say, there is a wisdom that is not from above. There is a wisdom that is from above. You see, he's talking about two different things there, and they are completely different. And of course, that's not really news to us, is it? Most of us who have lived any length of time as a Christian on this earth knows that there is a wisdom on this earth, there is a wisdom in this world It's not remotely related in any way, shape, or form to the things of God. We know that, right? For example, I do not believe in evolution. Anybody want to stone me now? I do not believe in evolution. And you know what? I have absolutely no problem standing up here and saying that. Young people, I have absolutely no problem standing up here and saying that. Because that is a wisdom that is not from above. God says one thing, and supposedly wise men say something contradictory. That's not wisdom. It's certainly not a wisdom that is from above. If you want to watch something funny, and you guys, I would recommend that you all do this, go out and Google Ray Comfort's Evolution versus God video. Watch that. And if you can walk away from there and not be astonished at the fact that these supposedly wise professors suddenly don't look so wise, uh, I would suggest that you maybe need to watch it again. If you have any kind of a brain, you'll come away from there saying to yourself, wait a minute now, I've been lied to about this all of my life. And not only have I been lied to about this, but it's been presented to me as a fact. It's been presented to me as wise. But it's not. It's not wise. It's certainly not wisdom from above. Go out and look at the Institute for Creation Research website or the Answers in Genesis website or John Ankerberg's website, and you're going to come away with the same thinking. There is a wisdom that is presented as fact, but it's not fact. And it's not even wise. It's not true. I have absolutely no problem believing that Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, was born of a Virgin Mary about 2,000 years ago. I have no problem believing that he lived an absolutely sinless life. That he walked amongst men for 33 years. That he taught his disciples. I have no problem believing whatsoever that the Jewish leaders condemned him to death and the Roman government crucified him. I have no problem believing that his dead body was taken down off the cross and laid in a tomb where he laid for three days. And I have no problem believing that he rose from the dead on that third day. And then he went back after he had walked on this earth for 40 days and, 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 and been seen by eyewitnesses numbering in the hundreds. I have no problem believing that he then ascended up into heaven where he now sits on the right hand of the Father. And one of these days, soon, very soon, he's coming back. I have no problem believing that. Why? Because that is the wisdom that is from above. That's what God has said happened. First Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, 
which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. The songwriter said, I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has written. Wonderful things in the Bible I see, but this is the dearest that Jesus loves me. Do you believe that? I have no trouble believing that. I have no trouble because that's the wisdom that is from above. That is what God has said took place. But you know what? That is not considered wisdom by the vast majority of this world. They would, for the most part, consider that idiocy. Lunacy. Wacko stuff. That's what most of the world would think about that. They would listen to me say that and they would say, you know what, he's got rooms for rent upstairs. He's not, he's not working with a full deck. He's uh, got bats in his belfry. He's lost the cheese out of his sandwich. You think I was nuts? The supposedly wise in this world don't believe what God's word teaches at all. And they certainly don't consider it wisdom. I sat across my kitchen table one time from a man, a friend of mine who was an extremely educated man, who would have considered himself very wise in the things of this world. Not a believer. And I sat there and I, I talked to him for a period of time about the things of God. And we talked about what I believed. I tried to explain to him that Jesus loved him and died for him. That he could be saved and he could have an eternity in heaven. You know, he was completely and totally astonished. That I believe the things I believe. He had no trouble believing in the historical Jesus. He had no trouble believing that Jesus was good. Even great. He would go that far. But I'll never forget asking him across that table. I can still see him sitting there. And I asked him across that table. But do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God? And he looked at me with this. The only, the only way I can describe his expression was pity. As if you poor fool. And he said, of course not. Of course not. You see, that's the wisdom. We need to see the difference between the wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is of this world. Just because the world calls something wisdom, just because the accepted sages in our uh, institutions of higher learning say something and teach something does not make it so. Just because the vast majority of people in this lost world believe something does not make it so. It does not make it true. It does not make it right. And James said it does not make it wise. There is a wisdom that is from above, and we Christians should pursue it and embrace it. But there is also a wisdom that is not from above, and we Christians should shun it and stay away from it. And so, number one, we need to understand the difference. Number two, we need to consider the source. We need to consider the source. James pulls absolutely no punches here about where these two forms of wisdom come from. Did you notice that's one thing I like about James? James is a black and white guy. James is a binary guy. It's either on or off. It's either black or white. And this is one of those cases. He has no problem with telling us there is a wisdom that is from above. That is implied in verse 15, and it is described in verse 17. And, and we know that, don't we? None of us would deny that. I don't think any of us would question it. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it this morning. We know God exists. We know God has spoken. 
And the wisdom that is revealed by God through his son, through the word, through these things, that's the wisdom that he's talking about as being from above. We could simply say it as wisdom from God. And I think all of us would agree with that, and so I don't think we need to spend any time. But let's think about the other one, this other so-called wisdom that he talks about here. Because some of you might be sitting here this morning and saying, does it really matter? Does it really matter whether I believe in some of these things that you're standing there and saying are, the, are not of God? Does it really matter? Well, let's consider the source. Verse number 15, here's what James says. You tell me if it matters. He says, this wisdom does not descend from above. But it is earthly, sensual, demonic. Now let me break that down for you. Here's what he's saying. Number one, it doesn't come from God. That alone ought to be enough for us. It doesn't come from God. But he also goes a little bit further. He says it is from this world. It is of the flesh. And it is ultimately from the very pits of hell. That ought to convince us. Earthly, sensual, and demonic. You know, we have three terrible enemies as believers that we have to deal with. All throughout every day of our life. There are enemies of every Christian. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And James says here that, all, that that is the fountainhead from which all of this comes. From which this wisdom comes. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Earthly, sensual, demonic. Oh, we need to consider the source. One commentator put it like this, and I'm paraphrasing his words a little bit. He said, what does earthly mean? It means that this false wisdom of which James is speaking has this world as its boundaries. It begins and ends with this world. It does not consider eternity. The word sensual refers to our fleshly appetites. This kind of wisdom is all about gratifying our own desires. It's totally selfish, thinking of no one but itself. And the word demonic traces this false wisdom right to the devil. When we allow ourselves to be driven by false wisdom, we are allowing Satan to slip into the driver's seat. Of course, that last part is one of those things that this world would laugh at, right? That's another one of those things they would say, ha, you stupid person. How can you possibly believe that there's a devil? And yet my Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We need to consider the source. You know, Eve was the first one, the first one who succumbed to worldly wisdom and ignored godly. You remember that? The wisdom from above had said to her, in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But then there was another wisdom that came up and whispered in her ear and said, you won't die. And she listened to the worldly wisdom, the wisdom that was earthly and sensual and demonic, and we continue to pay the price for that today, thousands of years later. Oh, brother, sister, we need to consider the source. Number three, we need to recognize the outcome. We need to recognize the outcome. So let's review just a little bit. There is a wisdom around which we should order our lives, and it's the wisdom that comes from above. It's from God. There is also a wisdom, uh, so-called wisdom, which isn't wisdom at all, which comes from the enemies of our soul and from which we should flee. So how can we tell the difference? Are there any indicators? How do we know what's worldly wisdom and what's wisdom from above? Are there any outcomes that come forth from these things in our life that would show us which is which? And I think James here gives us some pretty good clues. I think he would say yes to both of those questions. There are indicators. There are outcomes. He says in verses 14 and 16 that worldly wisdom is indicated by envy and self-seeking. 
or selfish ambition, we might translate that. And the outcome of such so-called wisdom is confusion and every evil thing. That's pretty bad. Also in verse 16. Another translation says it like this, wherever there is jealousy and rivalry, there is disorder and every kind of evil. Think of all the examples we see of this in our world today. (laughs) We see it in politics. Do we ever see any jealousy and rivalry and envy and self-seeking and selfish ambition in politics? Rules the halls of Congress. It goes all the way to the innermost recesses of the White House. It's everywhere. But not just there. We see it in homes. We see it in homes where jealousy, rivalry, and envy, and selfish ambition drive wedges between husbands and wives. Between brothers and sisters. We see it in churches. God help us. We see it in churches. It's even common amongst churches. Hopefully not in this church, but maybe. Who knows where there are pockets of jealousy and rivalry and envy and self-seeking. We need to listen to the word of the Lord this morning, don't we? The outcome of that kind of wisdom, James says, is disorder and every kind of evil. And I'll just look at the examples I just gave you. Who would deny that that is the outcome with increasing regularity in our government? Who would deny that it is right? With disorder and every kind of evil. And how many are the once loving marriages that we could all think about and talk about? Homes, families that have been transformed into completely dysfunctional places. Because of those things being there. Places that we would now say are filled with disorder. And every kind of evil in churches. Same way. Churches. We could go all up and down this land and we could find churches that were once vibrant, preaching the word of God and and serving the Lord and and, and operating within the wisdom that is from above, but are now dysfunctional, filled with disorder and every kind of evil. James says, if such indicators are in your life, you better not laugh it off. You better not boast about it. You better not think that it's something that you can just put off. And in verse 14, he says, you need to stop lying to yourself. About this thing, because if these indicators are present, if they describe your life, then your life is ordered not from above, but from below. But then he talks about the other wisdom. And in contrast to that form of wisdom, he says the wisdom that is from above, verse number 17, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The wisdom that is from above is First, pure. You know, in verse number 17, I think there are a couple words that are are more important than anything else in there. The the first word is the word first. First. Notice that word there. And then notice the word then. Very important words in that verse. The wisdom that is from above is first, pure. It all starts with a clean heart. Made so, I would suggest, by the blood of the Savior. The Bible is clear. You can't make yourself. None of us can do that. Only Jesus can do that. The author of Proverbs asked the question, who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Proverbs chapter 20. And of course, that's kind of a rhetorical question, isn't it? And we know what the expected answer is. Nobody. None of us. The answer comes back again and again from the pages of Scripture. There is none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You can't make yourself pure. I can't make myself pure. But the good news the Bible proclaims is, 
When Jesus died on the cross, this great, wonderful exchange took place. He took all my sin and yours and gave me and you all his righteousness. He replaced my impurity with his perfect purity. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I love that old song. It says, all my iniquities on him were laid. He nailed them all to the tree. Jesus, the debt of my sin, fully paid. He paid the ransom for me. First, pure Pure. James is saying that the very first thing we need to ensure is that we're saved, that we're born again. There is no wisdom from above that doesn't start there. We need to be disciples of Christ. We need to be Christians. There's no sense thinking about the rest of verse 17 if you don't first get that part. That's why I think that word first is so important, followed by that word then. First, pure. You need to be saved. But then, if we can get past that first word, We see him describing here what the wisdom that is from above looks like. And it will show up. It will be true in your life. Think about the list that's given us there in verse number 17. The wisdom that is from above, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's what describes godly wisdom. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each of those today because you're all intelligent people and you know what those words mean. There's no magic about those words. They mean exactly what they say. So look at that verse. Look at that list. It should be true in your life, is it? Ask yourself whether those things are there. Because if they are, then they are evidence. They are proof, as James says in verse number 13, that the wisdom you order your life by is from above. But if they're not there, if they're not there, then I think what James is saying here is we need to examine ourselves whether we're even in the faith. Look at the list. Are they in you? Are you peaceable? Are you peaceable? Or are you the kind of person who thrives on conflict? Are you gentle? Or would bully, pugnacious, describe you better? Are you willing to yield? Or are you one of those my way or the highway type of people? Are you full of mercy and good fruits? Or do you care more about yourself than about others? Are you without partiality? Or do you pick and choose who you're going to treat well? Are you without hypocrisy? Or are you two-faced, hypocritical, living one way right in here amongst your FBC friends and family, and the very second you go out the door, you live in a different way? Does that list of traits describe you? Because if it does, that's godly wisdom. That's wisdom that's from above. Oh, we need to seek it. Its presence needs to be in our lives because it proves the reality of our faith. And James goes on here in verse number 18. I'll just mention this. He says that if it is in us, it will yield a fabulous harvest. That's what verse 18 is saying. It's hard to see in our New King James, but the English Standard Version says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The NIV says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Oh, how we need that harvest, don't we? But if it's not in us, there can only be, he says in verse 16, confusion in every evil thing. So let's sum it up. James says that if you are wise and have the true wisdom that is from above, then you shall prove it by living it before others. That's his, that's his basic premise. 
And although he doesn't state it explicitly, I believe he's implying here that if you don't have it, if your life is characterized by this worldly, sensual, demonic wisdom, you need to step back and you need to do something about it. Because, verse 14 says, you're being deceived. You're lying to yourself. So let me just ask in closing this morning, where are you in all of this? Which type of wisdom describes you? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Which are you this morning? Wise or foolish? James says you can't kid yourself. Your conduct reveals it. Your lifestyle reveals it. So which is it, wise or foolish? Saved or lost? Building on rock or building on sand? Which? You see, if this passage speaks to a need in your life, there's only one corrective action that can solve the problem. The wisdom you need is from above. I can't give it to you. Nobody sitting in this room can give it to you. Your parents can't give it to you. Your friends, your family, nobody can give it to you. The only one who can give it to you is the Lord. It comes from above. Lanny Wolf wrote a song one time called Only Jesus Can Satisfy Your Soul. The world may try to satisfy that longing in your soul. You may search the wide world over, but you'll be just as before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you've found the Lord, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Yes, only He can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet joy and love and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Yes, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can give you what you need. If you don't have it, you need to stop trusting in the broken, wrong, foolish, so-called wisdom of this world and turn to Jesus. It's so simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's so simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Be wise. Believe today. Call today. And then, as Pastor Phil says, the proof is in the pudding. It will be demonstrated in your life.